0: Welcome to a joint uh, episode of Ember Weekend and Ember Land. Um, I'm here with Chase McCarthy, John Jackson, and Dan McClain. Um, hey. And I'm Robert Jackson. Hey, Rob. Uh, yeah, so uh, so Chase and I
1: represent, uh, I'm Jonathan Jackson. Uh, Chase and I represent Ember Weekend, and we are here with uh, Dan and Rob of Ember Land, uh, the two uh, preeminent superpower uh, podcasts. In Ember- We're the only two podcasts. Uh, that do
0: ember I think um, that we're still that means we're still the best yeah
1: yeah no i no. i mean not to diminish it i'm just saying this is there's something to be said about being the only two podcasts that cover ember uh, exclusively um so it's not a bad thing uh but anyways uh yeah so ember weekend does a lot of newsy type things and i think uh emberland you want to characterize yourself i feel like you're more long form but maybe you have better words Uh, So Dan
0: can Dan can chime in, but I would say that we basically just talk about whatever things seem uh, important to us at the time, and I ramble a lot, and then Dan tries to rein me in. That's I think what uh, (laughs) I think that categorizes most of the episodes. What do you think, Dan?
2: Yeah, it's mostly hurting Rob as a cat.
0: (laughs) Single topic, keeping them on point. I always think of it like verbose uh, release
3: notes for Ember. Like it seems yeah, 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 nice. Nice.
0: And then
2: you can you can get the feeling. Mm-hmm. I usually use it to dig into Rob and figure out what's going on in
0: Ember. Yeah, it's kind of
3: it's like in Game of Thrones when they have like the, you know, like the making of, you know, like uh, at the end, uh, that's what, that's what it seems like to me.
0: I have a, I have a confession though. I, yeah. uh, I haven't, I haven't seen Game of Thrones and I watched the last part of the last episode and it was really confusing. Yeah. So it I would see,
1: definitely uh, be confusing.
0: I'm, I'm, we're Of course not going to spoil it, but I, uh, I, I may need counseling and to start watching from the beginning. I don't know. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. So this is, this represents our 64th episode, I believe of Ember weekend. That's two to the sixth, apparently. Wait, that's not right. Somebody help me out here. Somebody wrote this in the, in the show notes. I don't uh, know who did this. That's
0: right. Is that right? Yeah, dude, okay. Like
1: math. All yeah. right. Yeah. Math. I'm, I'm great at it for real. I'm a programmer. Um, and it is uh, what episode is it for you guys? I think it will be twenty-two, 20 seconds, which is yep. yay, yay, cool. Uh, so we're broadcasting out of a bunch of different places. Uh, Robert and I are in Providence. Uh, Dan, I think you're in Boston, right? South of Boston, South close of Boston. enough though. Cool. And uh, and Chase, you're in? Uh, still in Jacksonville. Yeah, Jacksonville. How is it warm there? I saw some some weather that looked pretty discerning. Or uh, yeah, it was,
3: it was raining all day, and I was paddleboarding in it. So like I was stuck on a Ooh. river, like it pouring down rain.
1: So. Fun, fun. Uh, cool. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what we got for the intro. Let's start talking about stuff. Uh, I feel like uh, what, uh, what we want to do here today is kind of talk maybe about some of our experiences on the island uh, for the Wicked Good Ember Conference. I think this is the third one. Uh, it was really great. Uh, super awesome conference. Has a, to- a vibe totally different than other conferences that I've been to personally. So uh, I guess we'll just go around the horn. Um, Zencaster has us in order. I think Dan. What Dan? What was your uh, what was your favorite experience on the island?
2: It's gonna be super trolly, but it will probably be beating Mixonic in my first game of Corn of Cornhole.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. The The games were really cool this year. Um, I feel like uh, Cornhole was cool. There was the this like uh, Swedish game, maybe I don't know, but you threw sticks at each other. It was a weird thing.
0: Well, he didn't throw sticks at people. You had like little things that you had to knock <laughs> over with sticks. I played I mean, there was a <laughs> castle. Don't forget the castle. No,
1: there's a castle in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it was a really fun game, but yeah, the whole so the whole time I have I just had no idea what was going on. It was it was confusing.
0: I didn't have a chance to play that specific game, but when I watched it, my perception of the best way to knock all the sticks down was throw the stick at the person across the way, <laughs> and, and they would they, just they would knock down. them all over. That, uh, I don't know if that's against the rules or not, though.
2: I'm noticing a trend with that whole all the games there. Everything was throwing something. There was nothing like gentle. It was all like let's throw this these two balls attached by a rope at a at a ladder. <laughs> let's throw a beanbag at a cornhole. Let's let's throw sticks at each other. When
0: you yeah. go outside, you gotta throw stuff.
1: Yeah, and there was a, there was another game that I didn't actually get to play. I don't know if you guys did uh, called Can Jam, which Luke was playing a lot of, and you like throw a frisbee and then kind of slap it into a. Can? It's weird. I don't it's remember. like basketball frisbee. Uh, yeah, so I will say
0: it was a lot of fun. I only played it for a moment and um it was but it was uh it was it was a lot of fun. Like I, I don't quite understand all the ins and outs of the rules, but um basically you just like throw a frisbee and then the, the, your partner, uh the person on your team just tries to uh slap it into uh into the can, quote unquote.
1: Yeah, and there's like a there's like a little slot, like a letter slot for for in the front where you get like more points if you go direct instant win it was an instant win well it's an instant
0: win if you don't get help if you if if the person throws it and it goes right in the slot it's an instant win instant win and you tap it into the slot it's like three points or four points and
2: your team okay i think we have the title to this episode instant win
1: instant win yeah for real yeah absolutely it's like the golden snitch of this game it's like why would you do anything other than try to go for that I don't know. Instant okay, yeah, Dan, Dan's adding the, adding, adding the episode <laughs> title to the thing. Alright, I like it. I like it. Um yeah, so okay, let's keep let's keep going. Uh Chase, what was your favorite experience on the island? Uh I,
3: I think it was probably all of the Tomdale trolls. Like, uh there's a couple times when like he would ask a really trolly question or like his whole talk, uh just all of the uh I don't know, the like interesting little like uh Tidbits I learned about like other frameworks and uh, things that are coming up in Ember, but it's all in a very like trolly way. So it was super entertaining, uh, but but very friendly and, and a very yeah friendly yeah framework. yeah. I
1: was about to say it's it's still like it didn't feel like it was. It was like angry troll. It was kind of nice troll. Like the react thing where he's talking about react starter kits, uh, and he kept, <laughs> yes. he, he had the, the central pi- like pylon of different plugins you would have to have. And you build these things and it went to the right and you're like, okay, he's done now. And then it goes to the third column or whatever. Uh, that was, yeah, you're right. That was wonderful.
2: The best part of that too is like, Oh, you're just making this up. He's like, No, this is actually the item in this list
3: of items.
1: <laughs> in this like extensive list of items, he scrolled down. Was, oh man. Right. And um, he's like and he's
3: like, and I would have scrolled more, but keynote wouldn't let me animate it that far. Like it <laughs> it already hit the, the limit of keynote's animation. Oh man. <laughs> but uh That's so rough. but then That's but then the, the Phoenix one was the best. Like Rob got up and asked uh, why didn't he just use Phoenix instead of Ember? And he totally just nailed it. Like the whole like
0: I, I don't um... know. He had to have known that was coming. I, I don't. I don't understand how he responded so well. But <laughs> well, that also spring
2: from his his original troll question of the other keynote. Which I was part of, right. where he's like, "Why wouldn't you use Node instead of Phoenix?" And then it turned into a part where he goes, "It's thirty-year-old technology. It was before they discovered async." Which I thought was the killer line of that.
3: Yes. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like, uh, "That's like driving around a Pinto. You wouldn't be driving a Pinto, would you?"
1: For the same yeah. reasons. Yeah, that was the best. The reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another. That's another really good title. Up, uh, yeah, that's that's wonderful. Um, yeah, the trolls were the trolls were just all over the place. They were so good. They were so good. Um yeah Rob so so what was your uh what was your uh, f- favorite experience of the of the conference
0: So I got to say uh my favorite thing um wh- well so I watched all the talks but I was all in the in the very back Um there was a few talks that were really really interesting to me but I'd say my absolute favorite uh, part of the the whole conference the whole experience was just connecting with all the people in the community people that I, I have known or just like met met a bunch of new people uh, and it was like really really awesome um, uh, the conference was set up in such a way that you had like free time so like there was a, a large uh, gap for for lunch so uh, both so you could eat and also like now you could talk to people or you could like divvy up and play games like they mentioned like we mentioned earlier and um, but uh, but it was a really awesome opportunity to chat and circle around with people um, uh, for example, like, uh, Chris Seldon and I rarely get a t- chance to pair and we were able to like pair on a bunch of things. And, uh, it was, it was a ton of fun. Um, and, um, it was, uh, I think that's probably my, my favorite part of the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really enjoyed like sitting around the campfire on the, f- on the second night. I want to say, uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, people were trying to make, uh, during that period of time, they were trying to make bacon wrapped marshmallows and, uh, I don't know if you've ever.
0: I feel like the marshmallow would melt before the bacon's cooked. Yeah, yeah it was. Most people learned that.
1: Yeah, we learned a lot of in- interesting things about physics. I uh... mean, I've seen
0: Ghostbusters like <laughs> marshmallows turn into to liquid. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. So, like, so what it turns out is you have to you, you you
3: cook the bacon first, and then you put it in the marshmallow. Ah, so it's and like then a you pre, and then you make a s'more out of it, it's the best ever. Yeah, but
1: but many many marshmallows and pieces of bacon were lost in the process. No, 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 no.
3: I don't think that. I think people just ate raw bacon.
1: Oh, uh, really? Uh, yeah, I nah, didn't it's see that. Fine. It's fine. No, no. it's fine.
3: Don't worry. Don't, it's fine. I haven't heard anything, you know, bad happen from it. So
1: I feel like I feel like marshmallows are sanitary, right? So we're good. We're fine. That's totally yeah. good. <laughs> they like they make um, it all better. Okay.
3: So, so no, so,
1: <laughs> Come on, Rob. Come on.
3: So okay, I, my 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 more serious uh, favorite part of the of the whole conference though uh, was probably the uh, the contributor workshop that Two O One Created put on. Uh, so Matthew Beal and Isaac Ezra were there and they were like, it was like really like I thought it was going to be like a, an intro of like, uh, hey, here's what you need to do. And like maybe some like examples or something. But they kind of just said, here's a list. Everybody take one. And if you need help, like talk to the person next to you. And that really got like, forced everybody to get engaged. So that was that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I feel like this this is like an extension of uh, they they did this very similar thing at Emraconfin and, and I think this went just as well, if not better. Like I think we had uh as a percentage of people, we had like as many PRs or more PRs this time as, as we had at Emraconfin. Um it was really, really awesome to just like walk around the room and check, you know, look over people's shoulder, see what they're working on and you know, see if they need help and and just jump in and, and help people um i think i think by the end of the night we had like 12 or 13 prs submitted okay yeah uh during the uh during during the the workshop and a lot of them from people that either hadn't done a pr before or like to anything uh or certainly to ember um and i think that was like that was really really awesome yeah
1: definitely i think the uh the the cool part about that um in my opinion for the contributor i actually participated in it which was like super super fun um was that there were a set of triaged issues in a spreadsheet and i think that um having that for especially for something like contributor workshop where you you know there's gonna be a lot of people who are interested in actively contributing um having a triage list where it's like oh hey go in here you have edit rights just add your name to the right side and that's your issue and now you know and then there are people to help or whatever uh it's such a good format it's it's so uh it's so good for Onboarding people into open source, I think, so that was really cool. Uh, cool, and and uh, and uh, my favorite uh, my favorite experience on the island was uh, was being able to like hang out with the people, like Robert was saying, but very specifically, just like last year, I had this really fun time. I ended up playing volleyball with a lot of the dockyarders and a few other people, and just like last year, it was super fun. It was like you know, it's go out have have a good time. It's an athletic kind of thing. Um, and you get to chit chat and talk or whatever, but no one really keeps score or anything like that. So it's kind of fun. I don't know. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. So it's a, it's a second time at uh, wicked good where volleyball has been my favorite part of the, of the, of the conference. So very cool. So we definitely want to talk about the keynotes. Um, we're going to talk about the last keynote first, I think, uh, mainly because Dan is actually here and he participated in the uh, in the first keynote. Um, this one was by Tom Dale, and it was called Hella Good Ember. And uh, kind of the things that I took away from this, there was a really awesome uh, standalone Glimmer demo, uh, which was a uh, Hillary Clinton um, campaign app, uh, with with Apple pay Inc. incorporated and we'll we'll talk about that in a second uh, but the glimmer standalone idea like basically having a uh... He had really clever graphics talking about how you know depending on where you gamble on the complexity of your application you might go closer towards something that makes really a lot of sense for ember or really far away and there's a there's a discrepancy in the direction you can migrate your applications from so from uh, just a sprinkle of javascript to very complicated and you can go from really complicated back down to something that's less complicated so you can go to you can go one direction but going from something really simple to something complicated is really costly. And I think uh, the Glimmer standalone idea uh, is uh, maybe uh, an effort to help make that decision less stark, less difficult, uh, especially at the onset of a project where um, I feel like a lot of Ember projects get kind of, uh, you know, Put by the wayside while um, we do something like React or Angular or something uh, that can be dropped in, uh, just because you know the cost of making this decision is so high. Uh, so it's really neat to see uh, Glimmer kind of you know stand out there. Uh, do you guys kind of have any thoughts on this?
0: Yeah, I think um, I think it's actually really great. I think uh, one of the one of the sort of historic pain points with with proponents of Ember is that. Um, you know, folks. Folks might want to just drop, like you said, drop it on a page, or um, they may only have uh, one small widget or one set of components. They don't have routing or something like that. Um, you want to basically get get your feet wet. You want to get started with the sort of Ember paradigm. Have have a wonderful experience, good development environment. Um, and uh, sort of not have to worry about all the build tools, and uh, and then have a really nice, easily upgrade path to like full-on Ember. Like, okay, now I'm I'm moving into a full app, and it's got real routes, and it's got. Uh, all the other complexities that Ember tries to sort of massage away for you, um, and I think that's the that's the real story that uh, that in general we're trying to pitch, um, and uh, and we're working towards. Of course, there's a ton of work to do still. Um, um, for example, like all of in this particular app that Tom talks about, uh, and we'll link the uh, we'll link the keynote slides into uh, into the show notes. But um, but all all of the the setup work. In this case, is all done manually in in this particular la- app. It's not quite to the point where it's as easy as a as a normal Ember CLI app, where you like drop in a thing, you have a blueprint, and it gives you you know, and away you go. Um, uh, and to that end, like we've been working on, John and I have been pairing uh, while he's been uh, in town this week um, on building uh, that sort of um, base um, framework where you can where you can just like drop it in, and create create a nice project that just uses Glimmer and not have to do all the manual wiring yourself. Um, yeah, Tom
2: had, Tom had a nice slide that said this is professionals on a uh, closed course saying that ex- right exactly, now it's
0: exactly. really tough to get this done. Yeah, and and so so I think the next steps the next steps were are to a make it easier to do, um, even though it's still it's still very much like experimental slash alpha or whatever you want to call it, um, you know it's totally possible he's he's proven it's totally possible to deploy an app um, if you understand the paradigms and the things going on, um, but uh, but I think. In general, like in the broader Ember space, what we need to do is we need to make it, uh, we, we need to smooth that upgrade path. Because to me, it's extremely important, and I think to, to all of the core team, it's extremely important that we have, uh, if we're going to have people do this, we're going to have people start off with just a view layer, um, that when you do pull in routing, you don't have to throw away the stuff you've done. Like, it must, it, it is a requirement that it is an upgrade path that doesn't involve throwing away the work you've done. Uh, because that's, that's one of the sort of fundamentals of Ember. Like, it's, it's vertically scalable without losing the work. You don't, hit, you don't hit walls and have to start over. All that stuff is, is massively important to the, the development process. And, and, like, what is Ember, basically?
2: See Rob, it's like herding cats. Keep Rob on topic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I I think that I, those are all really relevant points. I think that that upgrade path is the thing that needs to be, um, you know, focused on uh, in the in the pursuit of like making Glimmer kind of work by itself and have a migration towards Ember. Because I don't know, like I've run into personal situations where I'm like, hey, you should use Ember, and you know, trying to describe how to, you know, get just a component layer into your into your app. You know your, your already existent server side rendered app probably, uh, Rails mainly. Um, that's a that's a tough story to sell and uh, and when you have other you know others you know ecosystems out there like React, it this is this is going to be a huge uh, like a powerful uh, counter argument to to that line of of thinking. So you could say hey no no there's already this thing and not only that but you you can actually eventually kind of migrate towards. Uh, something something that has this greater ecosystem around it. I think that's really cool.
2: I think one of the impressive things in Tom's keynote, too, was um, the demo app both in, implemented the beta Apple Pay that's not even fully released yet. And also the Glimmer engine plus the app code was smaller than React, at just the React framework.
1: Yes, absolutely, and and actually that was interesting. I was like, oh, so they implemented this in React, and it was still less than that implementation. But the fact is, is the implementation and the engine was smaller than just React, and that that's such an interesting uh, interesting thing to be able to say for something that is as performant as it is. Uh, that's really cool. And the Apple Pay thing, like, I've already bookmarked all of the all of Tom Dale's repos for Apple Pay because I think that that is that has implications um, throughout you know, our ecosystem in general, just all over the place. I think being able to do that is going to be a really powerful tool to reach for as, as app developers.
2: It's such a, it's such a win in terms of it, it gets rid of a barrier of getting somebody to pay for something that you, you may have created because they're not punching in their credit card. They're just like, Oh, let's put my thumb on this and we're done.
3: Yeah. And like, like Tom said though, it's going to be like super dangerous for my credit card uh, (laughs) because I'm going to buy like everything. Uh, But I'm also interested to see, since they, since basically they're using the thumbprint scanner for that, uh, it'd be interesting to see if you can just use the thumbprint and just say, validate your identity. So even if you're not necessarily doing Apple Pay, if you could just use that to say like, hey, we locked you out for a second because you were inactive, uh, just use your thumb real quick to like reactivate the page, which is what some, some
0: apps do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a really, I didn't even actually think about that. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So it's like it's like that that's slightly tricky on a website, obviously, because like uh, in a locally installed app, you're basically authenticating that the person using the app is authentic authorized on the device, Whereas on the website, like usually you would try to, you would have to, we, you have to figure out how to bridge the gap between the authority of using device and also of using the website, right? Like, yeah, I think, yeah, watch. you have to link it to an Apple account or something. Yeah. Like, so, so for example, like I don't think you can directly get access to the actual thumbprint itself. I think that's no, yeah, that's, that's, like, Even Apple can't. Spot it's, it's all YouTube in the,
1: in
3: the hardware.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. So, so you'd have to, you'd have to set up your system so that you can, you can basically accept device authority um as uh, or i'm sorry device authorization as authorization on the site which seems uh, totally legit like m- like i can't imagine anyone else actually using my phone so like that seems <laughs> um that seems like totally reasonable thing to to assume actually
2: although apple is really came down hard on people that were using device ids
0: yeah yeah they randomized them now the device uh, id itself every install yep. i see nice um, so, uh, so yeah. So uh, that was also that was really exciting in Tom's Tom's keynote. And um, I'm I'm actually really excited about actually landing Glimmer two itself in Ember. Um, we're shooting for sometime after the LTS ships. 2.8 uh, LTS is what's currently uh, the master branch will eventually become that LTS. Um, so we're, you know we're targeting sometime after that. Hopefully two nine. Um, I don't like to give dates. I have been burned many times. Um, and <laughs> so 2.9,
2: nine. You heard it here first. Right. You heard
0: oh, no, it here. 2.9. That's <laughs> right. All right. I heard it. Um, but but we we definitely want to get people using like as of right now there is there is only a handful of tests uh, well a large handful of tests that, that still need to be tweaked and, and fixed and worked on maybe you know a hundred or so less or or less maybe um, but uh, you know for for the glimmer feature um, so hopefully we can we can get that thing enabled and get people actually testing it in real apps and in real projects um, uh, but like well uh, so so we have tons of time in the canary cycle even. To deal uh, with with those changes and 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 whatnot and get feedback and whatnot, um, it's really important for us to make sure that uh, this this goes super smoothly and it was not like the one thirteen transition where uh, it was pretty rocky for some apps.
2: And then also fastboot will then need to fall in place too as well.
0: Yeah, and and the nice thing is that uh, one of the one of the uh, big sort of barriers to some folks with fast boot is like they want rehydration. Um, and the blocker there has literally been this effort of re-implementing the rendering engine so that we can now do, we can now add layer on rehydration on top of it. So once we land this, we're like one step closer to having rehydration in boot, which I think is pretty uh, pretty awesome.
1: Very Definitely. Cool. I'll be I'll be really eager to see the flicker go away from every weekend. That'd be nice. <laughs> well, if you just
2: loaded your data into the uh, DOM and then wrote it from there, you'd be all set? Yeah,
1: you're right. You know, I actually, I actually was. Ta- I had a long conversation with, um, who was it? I actually don't remember who I was having a conversation with, but they brought up that exact point. So, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe there's that. some refactoring in my future.
0: Well, there's some nice primitives in Ember CLI Fastboot recently. Um, I believe that we called it Shoebox, although Dan yeah. can confirm.
2: Yep, Hassan um, landed that.
0: Nice. Yeah. So, so like in recent 1.0 betas, you can, um, you can, or RCs, whichever. Um, you can. Um, you can basically tell it to store things into this, this shoebox, basically, because you know fastboot shoebox, you know makes sense. You get it. Yeah, I, like uh, it. I like it. And uh, and it lets you it lets you basically say, hey, this this stuff is important, and and should be available at at boot, uh, in when the browser is re or, I'm sorry, refreshed. Uh, and uh, and that lets us uh, that lets you like seed the Ember data store co- cache or or whatever from FastBoot land and get it all the way down the wire to uh, to when it re renders in the client. Um, and it is essentially uh, can, can let you prevent that sort of um, that flash uh, right. or, 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 or like loading states showing when, when you go fetch data again, that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah, sure. because
2: the way it is now is it's doing the API calls on the server side and then it doesn't know that all that information is there and then redoing those uh, AJAX calls now on the client side and then you're getting a loading state.
1: Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I was I was wondering if I was hitting the same data, the same database uh, hit twice. Oh, yeah. Well, really I good.
0: mean, but with since you're serving up the server side and Phoenix, like you basically have no delay. So it's like really fast. But yeah,
2: going back to the shoebox real quick, there is an API in the fast boot service that on the server side, you say, I want to put this into the shoebox, puts into a script tag. And then when you get it from the shoebox on the client side, it reads that script tag by a key. Oh, and there, cool.
0: there is a, uh, there's an add-on that is our, that has been, but even before, before shoebox was a thing, it was responsible for. Um, caching the Ember data store uh, cache, basically the store contents essentially, uh, from the server side and, and persisting it through to the client side. And uh, and, and I believe that's been updated to use a shoebox now. I'd have to double check the add-on. I'll try to get a link in the show notes. But uh, but yeah so like it basically even like wallpapers over top of the 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 shoebox primitive and, and just does the work for you. You just include this add-on and um, it should uh, it should cache the Ember data uh, like, whatever API request you do on the server, now that, that cache is seated on the client once you, uh, once you, uh, re, like, re-render. So, one more thing I wanted to mention was that uh, this
3: conference had a really cool beginning. Like, uh, all of the, I think the first three talks were all about testing. So, it was like a test-first conference. And they were all really great talks.
0: Nice. T D T- C, right? Yeah. Test driven conference. I like it. No, I love. I love seeing the the testing talks uh, because I I love how well. So so while I look at testing today and I see how much better it was than than 1.0 when when you almost basically had to just give up uh, and just do uh, like full stack tests like with Capybara and just like drive the site. Um, and and now you actually have a ton of options, and 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 like there's documentation and there's guides that tell you how to do this stuff, uh, and it's like so much better than when than than when I started, um, and th- and then I see I see talks and they actually talk about. Like how to do all the things, and um, and it's it's really awesome that like we're continuing to push forward and push the the envelope of like how to make it even better for for people that start in you know in like two twelve or something like what 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 will their experience be, and also like f- that we give information to people starting today like hey this is this is the right way to do these things, and, and testing is important, and it's actually pretty straightforward, um, you know like like I said when in in pre 1.0 time frame. Uh, testing Ember was like massively hard, um, and and I think now as even compared to other frameworks that, that that are out there, I think it's it's one of the easiest to like get a test on the page and get it running out of the box. I think it's pretty awesome.
2: It'd be nice though if we had a consistent testing API between <laughs> integration and acceptance tests, Rob. I, yeah, I
1: you know I couldn't work on more, that though you know like who who has the time
0: right I I couldn't agree more uh, yeah so <laughs> so as my uh, my fellow co-hoster are, are mentioning uh, I wrote a uh, an RFC a testing RFC um, uh, that basically unifies the acceptance tests and integration tests uh, stuff I know it's been covered by uh, Ember Weekend and I believe Dan and I have talked about it as well but the idea yeah, is I that like... the API is essentially consistent between two things and reduces a whole, huge barrier to entry. Um, that that we have and, and folks have, so um, so we're we're actively pushing forward. We're trying to finish and land the modules RFC before we do the testing one, because I believe where things live on disk will actually um, uh, change slightly um, the way we test them independent, like individually. Like where do the tests live and all that kind of stuff. So we're trying to do uh, do do the module stuff before we do the testing stuff. Makes
3: a
1: lot of sense. Definitely, definitely.
3: Yeah, uh, I, w- I wanted to mention real quick that one of the the, the very first testing talk uh, by Trent Willis. Uh, was awesome. And I, I learned some awesome things about Testem and about how you can use uh, Parallel to like split up your tests and run them in parallel. And they, he did a bunch of work to, uh, to fix some of the problems that they had with that. So you can now apply p- filters and everything. And uh, so he was at LinkedIn and they took their test suite, I think, for like 40 minutes to two minutes. So it was really awesome talk. When that's up, definitely watch it. Um, it can save you a lot of development time.
0: Yeah, Definitely. and it, it's, it's been uh, seeing some of the things that they, they he's he's also on the QUnit uh, team, and seeing some of the stuff that added to just QNit and QNIT 2.0 just released, we're actively working to try to get that working with latest versions of uh, Ember QUnit and, and whatnot. But just, just the things added there are just stupendous. Things like uh, a nice multi-select for mod, like when you filter for a module, you want to have a nice multi-select where you can search for module names instead of like like scrolling through an infinite list of like thousands of modules. Uh, stuff like that and uh and then and then also like um just just in general like adding the ability to uh like just just to do like before all or before each and this is like a whole bunch of new features added to uh to qunit um in general uh in the 2.0 push and i'm i'm really really excited about all that stuff
1: so the next thing we want to talk about is the uh the keynote that dan and chris gave chris McCord and Obviously, Dan McLean. Uh, So, Dan, do you want to talk us through a little bit of like the the best parts? You know, your your the moments that you thought were most important uh, about your talk.
2: Yeah. So it started with Chris introing Phoenix for those who weren't um, that aware with the framework, and I've been really excited about uh, Phoenix when I had started working with it. And a big part of it is the channels uh, concept, which allow you to have a persistent connection typically over WebSockets, but it can be just raw TCP as well. But um, it abstracts a layer over WebSockets. So you have like you can join a channel like a chat room and you can send messages back and forth. And with some of the work Chris has done, he's made it really easy to implement an Ember Data Adapter over it. And that's really what I'm driving for is putting out an add-on that gives you this Ember Data Adapter to do your your records over the, uh, the channel connections, as well as also um, give you, well, make it really easy to um, interact with those. It gives you promises back for a lot of the stuff that wasn't uh, promisified before. And part of the reason it isn't promisified is it's so um, flexible in how you respond. You can actually give it your own type of uh, response. So it has a reply mechanism built in, but it's not only like pass fail, it could be timeout. You could give it your own, like, oh, here's new data, here's old data. So, Really excited about doing that. A big point of that was that we started out building a whole system, both in Ember and Elixir, that would do all the work for you. And then we quickly realized that that's going to really hamstring you instead of setting you free. So we stepped it back. Um, there is no special Phoenix code. It's just using the Phoenix um, Phoenix idioms. But on the Ember side, I'm just providing uh, the, the raw primitives for you to be able to do all this awesome work with real time through these Ember, uh, Elixir channels.
1: Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that demo. I thought the, the, the whole talk was, I don't know. I'm really excited about Phoenix. I guess I don't know. It, Chase said a lot more experience with it than I have, but, um, I don't know. Like it's a, it's a really exciting space, uh, especially after uh, Mike, Mike North had a really great example of how you could use uh, Phoenix uh, to great effect to to reduce these like m- multiple like asynchronous tasks and kind of like try to put them on top of each other that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, I'm blown away by, by the potential here. Uh, one of the things that I, I didn't necessarily understand, but I, I realized that it's a, or I recognize it as kind of a, a really important, uh, thing that's just recently come into Phoenix, which is the presence, uh, concept where things auto reconcile. Um, could you talk a little bit about that, Dan?
2: Yeah. So, uh, it actually launched a week or two ago with, uh, Phoenix One Twelve, and what it is, is it is a stateless, um, Presence, um, using presence to find presence is not the best way to explain it, but, um, <laughs> but it allows you to see who's connected to your channel. So it is stateless in that um, if you have multiple nodes, so in in Elixir and thus Erlang, you can connect two running servers together through their interconnects, and it will actually use vector clocks and figure out, um, it will sync up the data from one to another. So what happens is if you have a net split, these two nodes have their local presence available, but when they reconnect, they can then resync them back. And since it's stateless, and like either somebody's there or not, it it, it automatically does all this work for you. Yeah, that was the uh um
3: that was like the experience that I had with it uh, with um, this app work on this client app uh, using presence solve like this major problem that I was having where we had this chat room and we wanted to know how many people were live in the room, and uh, and so I like asked a message in like the Elixir Slack. And, uh, and Chris answered like really fast and was like, oh, that's in, that's in present, that's in like 1.2 RC. And uh, so I, I added it and it was like super easy to implement, um, except for uh, I was having like, a slight problem with like a couple little things about like the terminate and like the join hooks. Like you're still in the list when those get fired. And I was trying to like send them off in the wrong way. And basically you were still being counted in that list because I was manually totaling them. And he gave me like some, some pointers about like I'm kind of doing it the wrong way. Like it should be done a different way. But also uh, I think he was thinking about adding a account to that because the, that presence data kind of suffers from the same problem that Jason API suffers from. Whereas like when you have a bunch of relationships, even though you're not giving all the data, if you have like 10,000 relationships, you're sending this massive payload. Um, So I think he's going to add support or he was thinking about um, how to deal with when you just want a count of like how many other people are in the room or How many other people are you know? In in our case, was watching a live stream. Uh, That that totally helped me out a lot.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm also um, I'm curious how to how to address some some issues in like in the data and and how how things will work with like if you subscribe to the things. um, How do you like if you have all these events coming across? How do you like uh, unsubscribe or like clear? um like unload records i think that's like more of an ember data problem in general um and i know the ember data team is working on it but i was curious dan what your thoughts were
2: yeah another thing um in addition to that i was talking to alex machiner a little bit too and he was saying that um he made a good point that the model hook now isn't really going to be ready for a or not async but real-time connections like these uh persistent connections because it kind of assumes this back and forth response um request response cycle as opposed to i'm gonna have some info and like because when you're in the model hook you may want to start um you say you want to open your connection but you really typically want to have your listeners set up so that when you open the connection you're catching things right away and in the model hook you have no controller so it's kind of difficult in that sense to be able to have that connection. But in terms of um, what Rob was talking about with like you're in a chat room and then you go away from that chat room to another one, you don't want to, or you may want to continue receiving those responses back um, from the channel. And it's like, how do we make that easy? I mean, right now the answer is like the deactivate hook or maybe in a before model, like cleaning up from previous ones or there's multiple different ways, but there's no clean way right now.
0: Yeah, I think I think the thing that I've done in the past uh, in 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 our work app is is use setup controller and reset controller as as places to subscribe and then unsubscribe because deactivate only uh, only fires when you leave the route. So if you go oh, yeah. from like if you go from like post slash one to post slash two, you don't get deactivate, but you do get a model hook. So if you're subscribing in the model hook, and this is part of what Alex was talking about, if you subscribe in the model hook, then that means that you've you've leaked the subscription for all of the ones you've done. Prior to uh, the last, uh, the last one, uh, if you if you use deactivate, um, you know. So it's it's uh, I I completely agree. It's it's definitely a tricky business, um, and we need to uh, like from a framework perspective, we need to come up with either uh, additional hooks uh, or better or better semantics around the hooks, um, or or sort of uh, paper over it better with with like Ember Data or um, you know other third-party APIs.
2: Yeah, and I'm not surprised because I mean, real time wasn't really a big thing even just a few years ago in terms of like this type of connection inside of a uh, in the, a JavaScript client.
0: Right. Yeah,
3: I'm. Uh, i really looking forward to this add on though because uh, there's some complexity with just manually inting, uh, implementing the the Phoenix JS stuff. Where like when you subscribe to these topics, um, if you uh, you have to like manually reuse the same socket so that you're not opening multiple. Um, and if you try to subscribe to the same topic, it will close the last connection you had. So if you had two things, two components showing kind of the same data and they both tried to subscribe, uh, one of them will get shut down. So you end up having to do like channel caching yourself. So just having like a a way, like a, an add on that lets you basically say, I want to listen to this, this thing, and then kind of just keep a count of who's listening and how many people are and like what hooks they have. That would help out tremendously because, uh, there's a, some really subtle bugs that we introduced into the we were working on this client app uh, where we were unsubscribed to certain events, and uh, it was really hard to trace back why that was happening.
2: Yeah, definitely. I'd like the feedback as well, because I, I mean, this mostly started as a pet project, so having some real-life examples will definitely help shape it as well. So let's connect after this as well. Oh,
3: yeah, oh, yeah. The, the, I, wasn't, so I wasn't using your, your I wasn't saying I was your library. I was just like, I'm implementing it myself, which I really don't want to have to admit, because uh, it's, <laughs> it's a React Native uh, you know, project. And so I'm having to do the same kind of like wrap the whole thing in a promise and, you know, and and it's, you know, it's a huge task to get it all right. Um, And it'd be nice to just be able to drop in a, like in an Ember project, to just be able to drop it in and have the solution because it's totally there's a lot of like subtle complexity when you're trying to just implement it yourself. And, And all you really want to do is get your work done, but now you have to write this library around another library to make it kind of behave in your kind of framework. Um, so it'd be really nice in Ember to just have a drop-in solution that that deals with all those in a you know in a known way and you know so I don't have to know all those kind of subtle behaviors of the of a uh, of Phoenix. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. And and you know that's honestly that's one of the the huge wins of our add-on ecosystem where. Um, you know, there's a ton of there's a ton of things that are like complex. Like think about Ember concurrency. You know, it's done roughly everything as as an add-on, and uh, and it massively simplifies a lot of the super complicated async stuff um, around uh, around object life cycles and um, you know like prevention of like duplicate tasks, like just tons of things. Uh, Ember concurrency com has a ton of examples as well, um, and, and so I think that's that's exactly the thing. Like chase what you're saying. That's exactly the thing we need uh, to move forward like something something that like wraps the complexity like it is it is complex like there's many async things all interacting with each other so it's going to be complex the the, the key is wrapping that all up in a nice API and uh, not forcing the complexity onto the users uh, onto our, our developers and I think that's uh, that's that's what like the add-on ecosystem's really been great about
2: um, yeah and that's and why totally as the but, add-on
0: author I want to hear what what the issues are exactly I exactly
1: right totally. definitely Definitely. All right. So I would be remiss to not talk about the amazing Tom Dale troll in your keynote. Uh, so how long did it take you and Chris to recognize that you were you were being trolled by Tom Dale?
2: I knowing Tom and seeing where <laughs> he immediately went, noticed it immediately. And I think Chris caught on pretty quickly because so I think what was a his,
0: main, the... his main question was why use uh, like a a 30 year old piece of technology for um, uh, Elixir? Yeah, for those that right. may not know.
1: Well, um, how how did they how did they uh, how did they use leverage Elixir um, when they hadn't discovered async at the time of its creation? Uh, yeah, it okay.
2: started it started off with why wouldn't you use Node instead of uh, Phoenix, <laughs> and then it quickly spun out into name calling and all that. But Chris handled it very well. He he noticed it pretty quick that it was a troll as well, and also started making some very salient points on why uh, your Node app may be more or less performant with, than a Phoenix app, which the concurrency model of Elixir and Erlang mu- handle the issues much better than Node does out of the box.
1: Yeah, I got I got the impression that uh, that Chris has heard the uh, the Node argument a few times. Uh, <laughs> so maybe maybe I'm wrong in that, but I'm pretty sure he's he, he had that one in the bag. Uh, but it was still that was still kind of a kind of a delightful little little humorous second second there at the end of your your keynote. So
2: yep, and I. Th- my favorite part of it, though, was that t- even Tom's side of it, I think, was still a stab at node. Even though he was tro- trolling the keynote, it was more trolling node in the end.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. That's Good. Okay, so um, so I guess the, the last little bit we're going to cover here is just, you know, big shout out to Dockyard for putting Wicked Good on. Um, it's a great conference. Uh, they do a really good job. I uh, really appreciate that. And, uh, and maybe throw a shout out to a thing that they mentioned which is a another ember conference called San Diego emberconf that they're attempting to put on in uh, January uh, which is uh, perfect timing for all uh, the people in Boston to make a trip to someplace warm uh, so it'll be it'll be pretty interesting
3: yeah it's like uh, I like to think of it as them fleeing the white walkers and they're uh...
1: <laughs> So, final thoughts. Let's go through. Anyone? Anyone have anything? Uh, final thoughts about Wicked Good and how you know how, how you thought it, how, how you thought it went and all that stuff. Yeah, always think... be
2: prepared for the Tom Dale troll. <laughs>
1: <laughs> another another great title for yeah,
0: this. Sage episode. advice. We should. Uh, I should make sure <laughs> whenever I'm speaking at a conference, I always ask: Is Tom going to be there? <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh, that's that's actually one thing I learned. Uh, um, I've been to more Wicked Goods than Tom Dale, so like I'm beating him in something
1: yeah that's, that's, that's important thing. <laughs> yes 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 uh cool um all right well yeah so uh thanks for listening very much appreciate you guys uh constantly coming out and giving us feedback and letting us know what you think about our our show uh at any point in time if you want to reach out to us ember weekend uh you can read it reaches out reach out to us at ember weekend on twitter uh we have an rss feed on our website ember com. and uh emberland you guys have uh you guys have a Twitter as well.
2: Yeah, our Twitter is landember, and also um, we have a contact form on our site at ember.land/contact.
1: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so so tune tune in to uh, to our Twitter feeds, and once again, reach out to us uh, if you have questions. We're we we love we love uh, when uh, when when we get some questions to to answer and respond to on the show. Um, yeah, and outside of that, I think uh, that's that's it. Thanks, uh, thanks for. Uh, working with us uh dan and rob really appreciate it and
0: uh we'll be back next week
2: i'm always glad to inflict the uh the job of hurting rob on uh, other people (laughs)
0: hey i just have to say uh i know we already basically did the closing but that's fine uh i just have to say that um every time i listen to Ember weekend i i want to shout through my radio in my car uh, when I'm when I'm playing, like no, no, do this other thing, no. Yeah. So So uh, so you should totally tweet at them and shout at them for me. Um, but uh, of course, when you listen to Emberland, you of course agree with everything. So, it's, <laughs> you know, so there's yeah. nothing yeah. to really. I've say. never I've never shouted
1: at Emberland. It's a true story. I, I <laughs> no, it's great. <laughs> uh,
0: thank you guys. Uh, thanks for listening very much.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. See
0: you next and we'll weekend. see
2: you whenever Emberland records. <laughs>